BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Diversity Remix, only provocative conversations at the intersection of business, politics, and culture. I'm Charlie Echeverry. And I'm Jesus Chavez. This week's episode, One Bad Apple. In today's deep dive, the largest company in the world just unveiled a number of new features it says are designed to protect against the horrors of child sexual abuse. But are these new product updates a step toward a safer future for kids? Or are they a chilling example of the depth of a tech surveillance state? And encourage your cringe, Mexico sues gunmakers, birth certificates get an overhaul, and Latinx strikes again. Has Mexico just launched an innovative lawsuit against gun manufacturers to get to the root cause of gun violence in their country? Or are they shifting the blame to the U.S. for their own failures in handling drug trafficking and crime? Is a physician association letting their wokeness show with a novel infant gender medical policy? Or is updated medical guidance reflecting the full spectrum of gender identity simply a necessity now? And finally, was a reporter rightfully called out for the use of a particular term to describe the Latino community? Or are right-wingers weighing in to score political points in yet another culture war topic? This and more this week on TDR. What do you think has been your greatest learning in the in the in a year of almost a year of doing this? Uh, on the podcast, uh, the greatest learning. I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's definitely the amount of work required to to do a good say be prepared to have a like a good conversation. It's it's actually a lot. Mm-hmm. I had someone ask me the other day. I think it was actually my brother was asking me, like, so how long does it take you to record? And I was like, oh, well, typically, you know, the the time you hear is pretty close to the record time because we don't tend to edit a lot of things. I was like, no, no, no. He's like, I mean, like, by the time you walk in and, you know, you get everything ready and you record, like, well, rarely does it happen that way, that we're walking in. Yeah, it's in stages. It's in stages because it requires having to, like, put together the, you know, the conversation and the material, the background, all of that, the research. Uh, so yeah, the amount of work that is required, I think is pretty, um, it's a lot more than maybe even I thought initially. But has this, ha, has this been, what about creatively? Has it been a good outlet? I think creatively, yeah. I, I enjoy having these type of conversations. Um, I've definitely <coughs> found it, uh, the, one of the benefits I think that it's had is when I look at my, even my own media consumption patterns, I have a pretty broad scope of things that I look at. Mm-hmm. 
both from publications point of view, et cetera. Um, I do think it's expanded my view of, of how I think about issues. Um, and because, it, it, because in the preparation, you have to kind of think yeah. about it and discern both. Or why? The, I think both in the preparation and, and the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, getting to hear, like I always, I get excited when I hear a point of view that I hadn't thought about. Mm. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Sure. Oh, uh, like that, that actually gets me, it doesn't bother me. It actually gets me excited when that happens. Um, so I think from that perspective, it's it's been pretty uh, informative doing this. Mm-hmm. So look, if part of the goal was, you know, to some extent, can we bust the echo chamber, um, at least on a personal level, I feel like it has to a large degree for me. There you go. Well, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah I know we're going to be reflecting on this next week when we have our our formal 100-year, 100-year, it's not even a 100 episode. It's one year, 53 episode right. um, celebration, although we're going to be having that show with uh, our good friend Marcos Klein. So we probably won't get a chance to reflect earnestly around what this has meant over the last year. But I agree with you. I think that the amount of work has given me a lot of appreciation for what goes into making a podcast, especially mm-hmm. um, you know podcasts that maybe more complicated, right? Require more research even than ours, be more nuanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's definitely been a learning, but I've also, um, I've really enjoyed doing it. And I also have, um, learned a lot in the process, but I also, I think would add to it for me is the, the, you know, playing to something that I've always thought of as a, as a strength, like the ability to communicate and like having that be a, an outlet for me creatively. Whereas like, you know, in our business lives, we haven't had necessarily that opportunity. So for me, it's been an awesome, awesome journey. Uh, hope we get lots more and we'll be, you know, talking more about this, uh, in the next episode when we actually celebrate the one year anniversary, but I thought I'd ask. Yeah. Good question. That was my way for st- starting the episode. Yeah, you see how I did that? I, you I see did. how I did that? I, I saw how you did that. Yeah. I've been doing that for the last like dozen or so episodes. Just yeah, trying to catch you off guard. Throw me off initially, but I have no idea kind of, the... I've caught on to your uh, have you? your tricky ways. Okay. Try to throw me off. The, the the episode name for this one was very easy for me to come up with. You haven't even heard it yet. No. Although for people hearing it, they will have heard it, I'll even though it. you haven't heard, so it haven't heard it in yeah. kind of nonlinear time. One bad apple. Oh, one bad apple. You know that expression, one bad yeah. apple ruins the ruins bunch? The, yeah, ruins the bunch. But, uh, Is but it ruins the barrel or ruins the bunch? Ruins the bunch, yeah. Although a barrel of apples, I guess you could say too. Yeah. But um, but of course, with a, it's a question. One bad apple? Right. So it's question not, mark. We're, not, we're not making a claim. We're asking a are question. Are we talking about police brutality here? What are, what are we talking mm-hmm. about? I don't know. In some cases, I, I, I love how everyone Might uses be worse. Uh, one bad apple as, uh, it's actually, that's one of the, you know, that has to be one of the sayings that most people get entirely wrong. Because about what ha- it means? About what it means and how they, how they use it, right? Because people constantly use the, and I just think about it in the context of police brutality, it comes up all the time, like, oh, that's just, that's just a bad apple. Mm-hmm. But they forget the second part of that very popular saying, which is it ruins the bunch ruins or the ruins bunch. the barrel, right? Like it basically ruins the entire thing. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's also exclusive to just apples. I think it works for like all fruit. You have yeah, like yeah, a fruit. yeah. And I don't know. But my that... point is like the analogy, yeah, people yeah, get yeah, it entirely wrong. There's probably very few that are, what will be another one? Can you think of another one, another analogy that people use all the time that is entirely wrong? Um, divide and conquer. Okay. Divide and conquer is used in a colloquial sense as like, we'll take the work and divvy it up. That's not what it means. No. What it, it's a military term that means when we divide the enemy, we'll win. When yeah, we divide but, them, but, them but I up. I think that actually, that, can still, that still works. You conquer the, the bigger task or the bigger project by dividing and conquering. I guess, but it's not looked at in the lens of it's an enemy. Right. It's something where like, it might even be a good thing. 
Like, right. you know, we're going to cook dinner. Let's divide and conquer. I'll do right. the appetizer. You do the... But this was definitely... An, it was like, we have this antagonist force we, we, force we want to defeat. The, the, and the way to defeat them is to actually make them not aligned with one another. Right. That's right, what right. it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that part, you're right. The other one that I think of that people get wrong all the time is, I could care less, as opposed to I couldn't care less. I could care less. Right. People, people say I could care less, but what they really mean is I could not care less or I couldn't care less. Right. I care right, so if, little. There's, because, there's right. not much more I could actually care for. Yeah, if because if you do care less, if there's a chance you could care less, that means right. it actually could get less important right. than it is right now. Yeah, yeah. So look at that one wrong We're pretty time. good at having a lot of these terms that uh, most of the time we don't know where they come from. Yeah. And then in many cases, we use them incorrectly. <laughs> we're, right. Double whammy. We're, we're definitely good at that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that was my my take at a, a, a title. Since we're talking about the apple, the big apple, yeah. not, not the big apple, but the other big apple. The bigger apple, I would say. You ever heard that conspiracy about the Apple logo? No. And how, well, you know what it is. It's a, an apple that was been, yeah, represent that the was apple that, into. Was, that was been by Eve, I guess. Right. right. Well, there, that's a thought. But uh, like, if you actually hear the designer of the logo talk about, he did it to give it scale. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because otherwise, like, you, it, since it's not super clear that it might be an actual fruit, if you have the bite mark, then you know how big it is. Oh, interesting. So he said he did that to give it scale. But a lot of people are like, no, this is fruit from the poison tree. And look, in some cases... <laughs> I never thought about it. In some cases, I don't know. Like, I look at uh, what they're doing now, and they certainly are inviting controversy. I, I always... I don't know why I always thought it was more associated with... Um, uh, I guess there's no reason why that would be the case with Newton, right? With... Uh, yeah, but he well, he didn't eat it. it just right, yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. why I thought that was my... The thing that I was associated with. It's super um, – what's what's the name? It's it's a uh, – oh, what's that called when something – archetype. It's archetypal, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's got these religious connotations. Sure. It had – well, mostly because of the religious connotations, even though just so you know, trivia, the apples never mentioned in, in the Bible. Just fruit. And, oh, really? You know, yeah, scripture scholars believe that it actually might be a pomegranate. It would be more than likely what the fruit actually was. So where, where did the apple come from? Probably from Newton. Who knows? I don't know. So it just fell, and we're like, "Hey, apple is pretty good," you know. Yeah. Or Cinderella. Well, people say the Not apple Cinderella. From the Snow tree. White. Snow White. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Snow no, White. No, it has to be way older than that. No, it's no? it's older. Yeah. But um, yeah. Oh, but that it, is funny. I didn't yeah. even realize that. Yeah, it's not an apple. Yeah, yeah. At least I mean, I mean, it could be. I guess an apple. Although I don't even know if apples right. are. Do they grow out there? I have no idea. Pomegranates and olives. I saw when I was there. Not apples. Um. Yeah, but. I don't think that's going to matter much when they're talking about the Garden of, of Eden, right? Right. In terms of what would grow there or not. But we're we're talking about a very particular kind of apple. So, yeah, let's get into it. So op- Apple has um, some controversial new child protection measures uh, that were announced a few weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, that has caused quite a bit of c- controversy, right? So they basically announced three changes that are going to be rolling out later this year, all related to curbing child sexual abuse, right, or protecting ki- kids in general. Um, now the first was. Do we know what spurred this on? I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's actually a good, a very good question. I don't know. I, I, heard, I don't know what started it. The first time I saw a clip about this was last week or whatever with Bill Maher. I think was uh, I didn't see the show, but I saw a YouTube clip of him mm-hmm. basically, you know, decrying it, like complaining about it. Oh, I, I think I may have seen it. Yeah, that's when it first hit my radar. Yeah, I didn't know it had even happened. But like, what actually spurred it on? I mean, on some level, these issues. I'm sure there's advocacy groups that are constantly after them for these sure. sort of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's already quite a bit of laws that are out there that make it uh, illegal, yep. right, to own a certain type of content. So, look, the first change uh, basically affected Apple's Search app and Siri, 
So if a user searches for topics related to child sexual abuse, Apple will direct them to resources for reporting it or getting help with an attraction to it. Can you, can you imagine the, just the amount of like requests that Siri gets that are just... Well, yeah. I mean, if you were to actually look at what it's actually searching for. Somebody probably is, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure, sure. Yeah, at least for search, yeah, sure. When I walked into the very first time I ever walked into the headquarters of Google. Right. I don't know if you've, if you've ever been there in uh, wherever it is, up in Mountain View. I have, I yeah, 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 I have. Mountain View? Mountain? Uh, yes, Mountain View. Uh-huh. I think it's Mountain View, right? But when you walk in there in the lobby, they actually, at least at the time, had a huge screen mm-hmm. that was cataloging the searches as they were coming in. Like literally it was like, you know, and it would sort of light up a map behind it. Right. And it was really crazy. But I, I stared at it all a good long time and realized it must be on a delay and edited because there's right. no way that there wasn't a bunch of uh, inappropriate stuff being searched. Yeah. When I went, uh, I got a chance to visit their moonshot. Fa- I think it's called the Moonshot Factory, uh, where they basically invest in all different projects that are really aimed for the future. So they were talking about a bunch, a bunch of different things. One is how they were looking to try to solve for internet access across the globe. Right. Meaning that there's a lot of areas that actually still don't have access now. Uh, Using like weather balloons, um, kind of that they can basically direct across different parts of the country and and sort of collectively create like a network of actual coverage. Uh, It's probably one of the first times, it was a long time ago, where I saw a self-driving car. Oh, wow. Uh, This is, I mean, I don't think I even heard of Tesla. I don't remember. Maybe maybe it was already around, but it it was actually pretty early on, I'm sure. Um, so anyways, yeah, this would have been for me like 2008 or nine, maybe when I was there for the first time. Yeah. So the, so the first change was pretty, you know, um, no, no real complaints about it, Mm -hmm. right? If someone's searching for, um, topics related to child sexual abuse, then it's going to either report on resources or, um, point them to places to get help, uh, with that, you know, with that, with that type of attraction. Okay. But this is, this is a real side note, but I have to ask Mm -hmm. if you're the guy who's programming this algorithm. To catch these terms as yep. they're being spoken into Siri or searched, huh? you have to like write these combinations, right? Well, Someone I'm sure has they to have it. You don't have to write it. You, can, you, you just, just pull it up. You just pull it up. Give me. You just do a query. Give me anything that has to do with with. Um, I mean, you're writing it, but you're also. But just even thinking about that, it's got to be like there's just millions of data points warfare to, to have to be oh, exposed yeah. to all these. Things yeah, there's like millions that. of data points. Um. Um. Yeah, there, there's, there's, yeah, there's just so much data that, that comes in, right? That, that mm-hmm. they'll be able to pull from that. Um, now, the second one is a little bit more controversial, right? Which is the parental control option uh, to messages, which basically obscures sexually explicit pictures for users that are under eighteen, uh, and sending parents an alert if a child twelve or under views or sends these pictures. Okay, so, right? So basically, if I'm under eighteen, it get, it's blurred out on my phone, and if I'm under twelve, it tells my mom and dad. Correct. My mom right. So, and this is all, but these all require parent opt-in, right? So, parent must opt-in for those devices, right? So, if someone's under 18, mm-hmm. it will scan incoming and outgoing pictures with an image classifier trained on pornography looking for sexually explicit content. Now, if the classifier detects this content, it obscures the picture in question and asks the user whether they really want to view this or send it. And um, basically, if they said yes, then in the case of you're under 12, it notifies. It won't let you. Then it notifies your parent. And if you're over 12, you and can if, send it. You just have to be super sure. Well, it um um yeah. I mean, yeah. Basically, I, I don't know if I don't know between 12 and 18 if it also notifies your parent. It definitely wasn't. Well, that's yeah. Of, that, that part doesn't seem like it yeah. does, but it does seem like it lets you send it just as long as you confirm right. that you want to. Correct. So Correct. you can be 13 and send the naked picture. Just have I to guess, be really sure you want to send it. Um, that part, it was not clear from, from reading it. Do you, do you think terms. this is controversial? I don't yes. find it very controversial. Tell me why. Super. Why? 
Uh, I think all of it. Well, let's talk. Let's wait till we get to the end because I yeah. think all of it to me is controversial. Okay. Um, not all of it. I mean, the first, the, the first part I get. I get. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the last piece, which is the most controversial, is a feature that scans iCloud photo images to find child sexual abuse material, right? Or or, or what's called CSAM, right? Which is the acronym for child uh, child sexual abuse material, mm-hmm. and reports it to Apple moderators who can pass it to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Or this, which yeah. is called NCMEC, right? So Apple says it's designed this feature specifically to protect user privacy while finding illegal content. Now, the iCloud photo scanning system is focused on finding child sexual abuse images, which are illegal to to possess. Correct. Right? And if it detects enough matches, it will alert Apple's monitors and reveal mm-hmm. the details and matches. Now, if the if monitor confirms the presence, right, then they, they disable the account and report the images to legal authorities, right? Um, now, by design, one thing else to note on this is that this feature only applies to photos that the user chooses to upload to iCloud. So the system does not go into uh, does not work for users who have iCloud photos disabled, mm-hmm. um, and it does not work on your private iPhone photo library on the device. Right? Okay. So, listen, that's basically it. So there is, you know, people that are, of course, as expected, you're going to have a lot of number of people who are obviously advocating for for the safety of kids who are all for, to a more degree, right, these changes. And the pushback is mostly for, for any of those advocacy groups that are really are concerned with privacy, mm-hmm. right? And the fact that this is something that, especially even the case of Apple, who has sort of, uh, you know, established itself as, as really uh, valuing privacy of their users, first and foremost, is that this now creates what many people are calling like a backdoor way to now start literally searching what's in your what's in your phone because now you're searching messages that are supposed to be encrypted both ends and also searching uh, images. Now it's for the right cause. It's one of the things like the right cause. Like no one's going to disagree. Like hey, if do I want? I don't know. If nobody's going to disagree. There's organizations that are like promoting uh, yeah, but those underage. Are, those are stuff. Ex- yeah, yeah. We're not talking about those guys, right? Like people that are saying like hey, it's okay. For I think people, people of to- goodwill generally. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So that's a whole other group that is not even frankly worth talking about because that's yeah. I don't think we're we're gonna have much um, impact on them. Yeah, impact on them. No disagreement on that. You know, their calls is not right. Right. But it really is the, the issue around when you think about privacy. So there is so to me the controversy is there is some level of controversy when you think about private messages that are being sent. This ability of Apple to be able to go through these messages are supposed to be encrypted on, on both ends. And good cause. Once again, I like the good cause. Um, but it opens up the door. And I think that's what people are very concerned with. Like, is this the beginning of a certain level of, uh, of, of, of basically <clears throat> being able to, um, mm-hmm. to spy on, on, yeah. on users? And when you think about uh, – what's the name of the guy? I'm blanking right now. The one that, um, that uh, was the uh, – that went the, the, like going to Russia. He released oh, all those Snowden. documents. Snowden. Yeah, Snowden, right? I mean, this is a lot of what he was talking about. Is that they were basically looking to people's you know communications and yeah and they spied are. on and everyone there, and, and, and there's nothing that they don't know like we think that because we're sending something and maybe it is encrypted but it's encrypted somewhere that has some accessibility from somebody I mean, well yeah somebody but can the, get into but it. that stuff is illegal I mean that's why even the government can't do that without a warrant right mm-hmm. and that's the reason why Snowden was releasing that in this case is something that. You know, even Apple is trying to find a way to bridge that line to basically try to navigate that line. Oh, hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna look into people's phones, right. but you are still gonna look at information that people have on their phones. Once again, in a very good cause. That's right. why when we say is it controversial. Yeah, I think it's very controversial. Yeah, I think it's controversial, but I think it, it, the controversy varies by degrees, and I think it does tell us a lot of very interesting things about the kind of positions that we've heard out there about a number of things. So, number one, the first one, I'm gonna I'm gonna 
basically make it kind of impossible, right, for you to search for anything like these terminologies. You get flagged that you're searching, they are. right? It's going to say, wait a minute, is that what you're looking for? Right? I mean, that's basically right. the, the experience. So that one is because it's almost like saying, where can I find a good cocaine dealer? You could say that to Siri, and Siri would say, well, cocaine's illegal. It's a class one substance. So are you sure you want to go search for where to buy right. cocaine? Well, what if you're a reporter? I mean, I, what if you're searching? No, I mean that's, that's it's a good it's a good question, right? Mm -hmm. What if you're searching specifically for research to talk about this? So basically, I mean, really, what this is saying is that if you're someone that is digging into this subject to report on it to do anything, you you should not be using Apple products as part of 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 what you use to get information around the subject. Possibly. I mean, I, I don't understand exactly how the experience is for the user, but it says it directs them to resources for reporting that thing right. or getting help with an attraction to it. Mm -hmm. Those are the two options that are yeah, stated that in, the, state. in the piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't say there's like some loophole for journalists who are trying to make right. an expose about it. Yeah, so that's a that's a legit point. But, but my, I think that one is, has, out of the three, probably has the least amount of controversy. Okay. The second one seems to me that it is limiting what you can see and what you can share, but it's doing it for minors. What's the controversy there? The, the controversy is that Apple now has the ability to view your private messages that are meant to be encrypted. Right now, it's telling you that you control, but the second you start doing something that they've always been very good about saying that we're all about privacy. As a matter of fact, they were, they've been big about not even basically giving access to FBI or police or anyone on yeah, front, regardless like, of what sure, they've done. Sure, even with terrorist situations. Right, and they've done that. And while on one hand, you could say, well, that, why aren't you working more with, with the law and doing it for the right causes? Mm -hmm. I also respect and, and actually value their position of saying, no, no, no. We're going to live up to a value of ours, which is about privacy of our users. And the moment you start making those calls that, well, for the right reason, then we'll do it, then you're not really all about privacy for your users. It's just something else. Right. right? But in this case, we're talking about a parental control and one that's opt-in. It's about ability versus the use, right? So the ability is now you have the ability, if you're Apple, to be able to look at, at these kind of messages and when you look at the history of this country in mm -hmm. terms of spying on their people and a company that's been pretty good about actually keeping data fairly private, now having the ability to – and actually they're telling you they're going to do that. They're going to look at your messages. So the question people have is like, okay, well, how do I know you're going to hold up to your end of the bargain where I get to keep my control right. as a parent? Like, so once again, like, I'm so all for that idea. Your, your issue is just the capability existing, mm -hmm. right? And your starting point is this didn't exist until now. See, my starting point is this Correct. has always been. They've always had this. And now they're codifying it and packaging it and saying parents can control what they see. So yeah. I'm less shocked by the fact that they can do it. Well, but yeah, but they, but this one specifically, they couldn't. Even the stuff that Snowden was talking about, they were using people's numbers. They were tracking patterns of people's conversations. They actually were looking at the actual content, uh, especially in these kind of encrypted messages, right? So that's the part where it's really interesting is they actually are now looking into the content, right? Which is a different level of, of surveillance that wasn't available before. But how do I mean? There are a number of these different software that that maintain that like control pornography on websites and sure. also other stuff for parents. On some level, of it course. has to scan what is coming in. Yeah, that's right. So if you if you if you have something on your, uh, but it's the difference between what you're viewing in a browser, things that you're searching, things that are that are coming from a public or yeah, from a public site, right, or some other external site. But in this case, the the very specific issue that we're talking about here is, is end to end encrypted messages. And the ability for Apple to look into the content, even with, once again, with a really good reason, as a parent of, 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 a, of a daughter, yes, I'm all for it. But it does, like, it gives me pause to know that Apple has this ability. 
And who's to say that the government can't come in and just kind of stiff arm a little bit? Hey, now, now I want to see. I want you to apply this to other things that they're, they're looking at. Sure, other messages. I mean, frankly, I want you what's to, to say it. Apple on their own won't do it. I mean, that's I'm right. more concerned about that's, Apple than I am about the government. Well, in mo- yeah, in a sure. lot of cases. Well, yeah, yeah, though Apple's history has been pretty good about pushing back on the government, not giving them access. I, I'm not and saying that, be I'm not saying that they public agree about, with each other. I'm yeah, saying right. I'm more concerned about Apple than the government. That, that's right. So, but in, in both of those scenarios, they're telling you that now they're going to do this. So it's a whole new level of surveillance that wasn't there before and i think that's the okay. concern i, I think that's the, that, that the concern, concern that both the, really that both these, these these last two have the second one to me was now with the parental control option yes is if you see if you take it at face value and you 100 trust apples that they're gonna you know with with great power comes with great responsibility that they're gonna limit that power uh to only when parents allow it and only for the kind of content that parents are looking for Okay. Yeah, and I guess right. My, like again, that's my, the, my the, position the, is they've always had the power, so yeah. like they're, you're, we're just finding out about it, maybe, or it's it's being maybe, fed to us but in it this wasn't. Way. It wasn't. Well, it wasn't explicit. It was never public that way, or or explicit. Right. So, but but think about how this would work otherwise, Jesus. You're going to have to have basically a product and engineering team to go build this capability some uh, for this purpose. Like yeah. what you're saying is somebody sat in a room with a bunch of coders or whatever and built this capability, and now they're telling us about the fact that they right. built it. I think they've had it. And now they're just basically putting it to work to this end under the banner of protecting child sexual abuse. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's just it just goes counter to at least the, the position that Apple has, has had historically. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least there hasn't been any anything, you know, that has been leaked to show otherwise. Could they have done it? Yeah, I guess. Right. I mean, that's hard for me to sit there and say with confidence that they haven't. But there was nothing to point to that they had it before. I how do you, be how do you feel about uh, drug sniffing dogs? I don't I don't have any opinion about them one way or the other. Okay, because I kind of view this very similar to to the idea of drug sniffing dogs, in the sense that the substance in question there is like a Schedule One narcotic or whatever it is. You're choosing to go out into public, in this case, an airport or a train station or whatever, and you're exposing yourself to agents and dogs who are going to, if they smell something in your luggage that is illegal for you to have, mm-hmm. you're going to be stopped and you're going to have to have the consequences, right? Why couldn't this, question, why couldn't this be the same? I'm putting my, you know, illegal to have pictures onto a server, which is iCloud mm-hmm. basically. Sure. And the system, the dog is catching it and I'm having the consequences. Why is this different in your mind? Because I think this falls under uh, a privacy sector, right? Because the, the, the example you just gave, which mm-hmm. is under, it's actually a good, it's interesting example you're giving, but under that kind of context, I could be able to apply it to anything, right? Think about using other technology that could look into people's homes to see whether or not they have firearms because they're metal. And if a lot of homes is wood, it'd be hard to do, but could I pull it off with some kind of... Uh, like special, you know, um, like not extra, but you know what I mean, right? Like to be able to to to, to see through uh, through through. Really sure, you could do that, and that would be that, right. Like, yeah, but that's one way to do it. That's, that's one way to do it. But, but wouldn't the more accurate though uh, uh, corollary be if they were scan the technology was scanning for say illegal guns, fully automatic ones, things like that? Because there's there's nothing illegal about having a gun in your home. Right, right. My, my sure, but but what we're, what we're talking about here is that I think where you're coming from is that. Because of the the crime or potential crime, then the means to uh, find that crime make it okay because of no. what you're lo- looking for. That's not what I'm saying. It, 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 well, in this case, I see it that way, right? Because I wholeheartedly disagree 
with anything, any kind of, you know, kid pornography or anything. Of course, I completely disagree with that. So I'm not advocating for that, of course, in any way. What I'm questioning is that there is there is the role of privacy as it relates. Yeah, so course. in this case, we're saying, okay, so to your point, if you're traveling through an airport and you have luggage and a dog, in a, in a drug-sniffing dog, you know, basically walks by and catches you on that, then that's free game. Would you have issue if if police were basically roaming through the neighborhoods and having drug sniffing dogs going through everyone's house, sniffing around the house and trying to find legal drugs? I think people would have an issue with I, that. I do too. But right? I do too. And it's the same. It's the exact same premise and the same. Like really. You still have a drug sniffing dog. No, no. Why, why not? It's different because there. it's different because the assumption that I'm making with the drug drug sniffing dog is a couple of factors. Uh-huh. One is that it's an illegal thing you're not allowed to possess. Number sure. one. Number two is that you are putting yourself in a place publicly where you know that the conventions are changing. If I'm sitting on my couch at home, I'm not doing that. Having, yeah, but that's that actually doesn't make zero difference, right? Having illegal substances. No, no, hold on, just, just hear me mm-hmm. out. So, that something is illegal has nothing to do with whether or not you're in a public situation or in a private situation. Yeah, no, I'm saying right, it's so a that, combination so, so the, of things that makes right, it different so, for me. So put that one to the side. The fact that you happen to be outside versus inside, it still is the same drugs are still illegal based on whatever state you're in, right? Or federal, depending, depending on what it is, mm-hmm. right? So that one makes zero difference. Yes, you're right in the sense that when you're traveling, you're sort of exposing yourself because they're looking for a lot of things beyond just drugs that you have in a situation. But you can, you, can, you can look at that example if you fast forward that and say, well, let's just take dogs around the neighborhoods and try to catch illegal drugs because it doesn't matter. They're still illegal. They're illegal at the airport. They're illegal in, in, your, in your home. And my, my issue is more the privacy that we're willing to give up in this case to be able to catch this. And I right. do think, once again, the capability of a company to now look into the actual content and a, co- and a company that has basically positioned itself as being all about the privacy of its consumers, that's what I have issue with. I think the everything that you just said hangs on the actual words of the Fourth Amendment and specifically the word unreasonable. Because what you just described, the reason why I think it's materially different that you're having dug, dog, uh, drug-sniffing dogs just roaming neighborhoods mm-hmm. and having drug-sniffing dogs at an airport is that one would be reasonable, one would be unreasonable. That's the only difference. You know, at a place where people would go to traffic drugs, i.e. airport, dock, train station, having a dog there is a re- – to me, to my mind, it's a reasonable search and seizure. I think it's on the eye of the beholder. At home, I think it – I don't. I don't think at all. I think – how would you define reasonable and unreasonable then? That's I, the reason – the law is written that way precisely yeah, to yeah, kind yeah. of talk about but these it's, things. It's, but the reason why a law is always interpreted is for that reason. For sure. Right? Because Agreed. what's reasonable or unreasonable to somebody else is all based on precedent. But I'm, it depends I'm using, on whatever lawyer or not lawyer, whatever judge decides something de- is deemed Sure, and there's precedent for each one of these right. things too that says this is reasonable, this the, isn't. The, po- the point I'm making here is the same mechanics work the same way. And that's why I don't – I see that – I think there is the an issue. The mechanics might. Uh, as it relates to uh, the mechanics, mean of a dog smelling something. Yeah, yeah, I right? get that. I so get that. that's that's the the way to, the way to do it. I I think in the same way that I would also have issues that if if all of a sudden anything that you mail in, which I hope I hope it doesn't happen, maybe it does. I don't know. If I mail something on snail mail, mm-hmm. does all my letters get open to see what's in them? Right. No. If I'm writing message, what if I'm writing something that is around? But they but they might no, get smelled. On. Yeah, yeah. By well, a dog. That's fine. What, what what if I'm writing a message in in a, in a letter? That actually says something like that I'm planning to do something to a kid, that it's mm-hmm. sexual pornography, maybe even includes a picture in there. Like if those letters now start, start to get opened, 
mm-hmm. to look what's in them. I will have the same problem with that as is as is sending a message that's supposed to be encrypted end to end encryption, which is to me is a they're different technology, but they're the same kind of mechanism. But again, the reasonableness comes into apply there. The expectation that you have when you send a letter in the mail. Versus an encrypted message end to end should no, no, be the no, exact no. same. No, I'm talking about no number three, the idea of iClouds and uploading uh-huh. pornographic pictures of little kids up to a shared server. I think that sending a letter to your aunt Tilly and like what happens in that envelope mm-hmm. is different than I upload this thing to an open server. Well, I was making the comparison to the second one, which is I'm sending an encrypted message end to end, which mm-hmm. is the same thing as a letter. I'm expecting the letter to stay closed end to end. There should be zero expectation that whatever letter you're sending. No matter what's in it, unless to your point, there is some kind of you know powder on it or something else that gives someone a reason to. But that's not what these guys are saying. They're saying we're going to look at all of your content. That's the reality. They're going to look at every single content and going to try to pull out from it what they think is going to be content that basically has hmm. illegal content in it. But the, the 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 expectation of privacy on an encrypted message that, that goes into it and, and and the expectation of privacy between a letter that gets sent from one person to the other should be the same, is that these are private messages that are being sent. I think it is, but I think you have to address the fact that this is being applied to minors, right? So you're saying the, the expectation of a privacy of a, say it, you have to finish, of a 10-year-old sending a letter so should be that. So on a letter, okay, if a, if a letter being sent by a 10-year-old, yes. then you're saying that those should be open to being open and search. If a parent, imagine that if it was a snowmobile, yeah. if, if, it's, if it's done that way. If a parent, if there was a different kind of coding for USPS, where it was a particular kind of stamp, that's that a parent this comes from a kid. This comes from my no, not a kid, my kid, and I'm giving authorization to whoever it is because I put a pink stamp on it or something right. for you to go through this. Yeah. Then I think you have to look at. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm saying you have to look at that differently than if it was a 40 year old guy or a business sure. envelope. That's sure. all I'm saying. Yeah. No. And I, and I think that's the reason why some people are supporting this. I I think is a is a massive blow to 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 private privacy for individuals, especially with encrypted messages. Even the iCloud feature, like the, the the whole thing that we're uploading this to a public place is not. The way that even when you think of, of cloud, um, um, like iCloud services in this okay. case for yeah. memory, are still meant to be private. There is no assumption that anyone has that if I'm backing up my phone, it's going to a place that be public for anyone to view there. Okay. Right? Otherwise, people wouldn't put their own selfies of their own nudes and their own – like people put a lot of their own personal stuff. Sure. So we should take yeah. everything off. Yeah. So I think Apple is walking to a very sticky place by doing this even with, with this – was it a really good intent? And I like what they're trying to prevent, but I still think they're walking to a place that is not a good place. But it also sounds like your position, I find it, how do you hold your position and then simultaneously not uh, um, hold the same uh, position that these are private companies and they can do whatever they want? In other words, I think those are naturally- I'm not arguing that they're not private companies. They can do whatever they want. You're saying they can do whatever they want. Of course, they're a private company. Okay, so no, we're not saying, arguing that this, the, we're not having a discussion of whether or not a private company could do private things. Oh, see, because I reject that argument that they're just private companies. I think that Amazon and the other cl- companies, which we've talked about, are in a completely different class, and the and the regulations and laws haven't caught up with who they are. But I don't think that they're just some private company. I think they're materially different. Apple's very different than still, I mean, Schmo's Pizza or whatever. Because you know what the I mean? reality, they do this. What the end result may be is that people go start using Telegraph for messages now. Mm-hmm. By the way, if kids want to send pictures of them of each other naked without Apple being able to say they can do it right now, with Apple being able to do zero about it. This is talking about specifically for iMessages, mm-hmm. which are supposed to be encrypted. Mm-hmm. They're turning around to the same thing that a lot of people are using now, which is Telegraph. Right, but what I'm to, saying to is why, couldn't, so, why so, couldn't the answer just be go go get an Android phone? 
Like, sure. Yeah, yeah, but but uh, yeah. Otherwise, it's, it's it'll be a, a five minute podcast conversation. If no, the answer is just go, saying, just go get an Android no, phone. The I issue find, is yeah. like the bigger implication of them doing this, mm-hmm. right? Of course, part of it is exactly that, and maybe that is what may happen. I think some people will walk away from doing just the same way that some people walked away from Facebook, from Twitter, from other platforms that they disagree with. They go do something else, and that's okay. Um, and I think you're, you're going to have a similar dynamic here. Maybe people start using WhatsApp instead. Right. And say, hey, instead of don't use iMessages anymore, use WhatsApp because that's more of a private pla- private platform. If it's not that, maybe it's Telegraph. All the other platforms that people I just think use. It's, yeah, instead. I just think it's interesting that that question of these being private companies and being able to do whatever they want, which is what a lot of people find themselves in that camp when it comes mm-hmm. to things like censoring particular points of view – are oftentimes also arguing, look at the damage to privacy and look how much power these guys have. So it seems like it'd be hard to hold both of those positions is my point. That I'm, so I'm not saying you hold it. I'm saying yeah. that, that, that people hold the idea that there's a huge impact to privacy, a huge loss of our Fourth Amendment, you know, reasonable search and seizure expectations. Right. And at the same time, well, this is a private company. They can do whatever they want. I just think that those are very difficult to hold at the same time. I reject the argument that they're just a private company like everybody else. So I think it, it comes down to the question of whether or not it's reasonable or unreasonable. And for the most part, even though I think these are controversial, I think they're more reasonable than unreasonable. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I have less of an issue with them. I'm, I'm not saying I don't have an issue with them. I'm just saying it's less than maybe you do. Uh, yeah. I remember uh, – I'll date myself with the story – Long, long time. I was in high school. I was, I was working at Kmart. Oh, that was a long time ago. And uh, we worked at the um, Kmart. At you Kmart. mean Mamaste? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Kmart. Uh, and it was like in the electronics department. And that's where people will bring in. People, that's the time people start bringing in their film to get processed, right? Mm-hmm. And when the film, when the when the little machine will process it, like all of the picture will come out like in this on the outside of the machine. Right. And you kind of, if you just like look, you can see the pictures coming out. And then you will grab them and put them in a in um mm-hmm. in an envelope, and then just like have it there for people to pick up. And I remember there was a couple times where we had pictures that were like pretty like X rated, right? And one of the times, someone from it wasn't me, it was someone from our group, from the people that was working there, was kind of like snickering a little bit. And when the lady picked it up, she like she picked up on the fact that they were like this guy had obviously seen, seen her picture. Yeah. And she was super pissed, right? For sure. And there was like this it, it almost like this unbroken rule that had been or unspoken rule that had been broken. And the fact that listen, I know that you could look at them, but there is an expectation of privacy that, that when I then when I'm processing my pictures, sure. you're not gonna look at them. And I think there that's I sort of I wanna give an, an uh an analog analogy. example yeah. to this, you know, digital example is probably that where you're right. We know that we share things on social. We share things even when, but and I think this is very different from social because because this is supposed to be your files. Because this position now that I can use shared services, web services, and that anything that's in there can be at any point be exposed to anyone else, then that's a problem. And I shouldn't use. I shouldn't use Google Drive anymore for any of my private information. We have sensitive business information that we wouldn't be pretty uncomfortable with someone just able to just take it and just share with somebody else because we're using a web service. Like, that's a problem. And I understand the the intent here, but I just I, I think the application opens you up for, once again, a, a, a different it, – it's a violation of the expectation of the level of privacy you should have for these kind of services. And for that, let me disagree with you 100% if we close this out, that I definitely think that this is a doorway into them having more – Surveillance power, for sure. More ability, yeah, yeah, yeah. no question about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No question yeah, about that. I but I, that. but to me, that's a less shocking claim because I've right, kind of that's already that. your expectation. That's already yeah. my expectation. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Fair enough, Charlie. Shall we uh, move on to courage or cringe? Courage or cringe.
I love that sound effect. Love it. Love it. You picked it, as a matter of fact. I <laughs> did think. I? Yeah. I think you did. I don't know. Well, you, that was one of your three, I think. I was like, oh, that sounds good. That's like a good one. Yeah, That's yeah. a good one. All right. So first topic, uh, Mexico sues U.S. gun manufacturers for contributing to arms trafficking deaths. Sounds like there will be some lawyer's fees on that one. There will be lawyers. Absolutely. So the Mexican government is suing the U.S. gun manufacturer and distributors mm -hmm. in U.S. federal court. Now, the Mexican government argues. How does that work? You can be like a, a, a foreign citizen, sue, the, sue a company in the other territory? That seems interesting to me. Well, like, I guess it would have to be the federal or international court, maybe. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. This is this one is a definitely new territory. I, I didn't realize it was even an option. So the Mexican government argues that the companies know that their practices contribute to the trafficking of guns to Mexico and facilitate it. Now, the government estimates that seventy percent of the weapons trafficked to Mexico come from the U.S. According to the Foreign Affairs Ministry, and by the way, that number has depending on who you look at, it's as high as ninety percent, according to some people, right? Of the. Of the weapons that are, that are used in crime in Mexico, mm -hmm. yeah, are, are, com are coming from the U.S., right? Um, mm -hmm. And that in 2019 alone, at least 17,000 homicides were linked to traffic weapons, right? Now, the government seeks, the Mexican government seeks uh, at least $10 billion in compensation uh, for the, once again, for these companies' contribution to the, the, the guns that are, that are in the country. Now, Steve Shadowin, uh, the lead attorney representing Mexico, said that in the early 2000s, about 30 U.S. cities brought similar litigation against gun manufacturers, arguing that they should be responsible for increased policy, police, I'm sorry, hospitalization, and other costs associated with gun violence. Now, as some of those cities started winning some of those cases, gun manufacturers went to Congress and got an immunity stature for their manufacturers, right? Which is so the case no now. they can no longer be sued. They can no longer be sued. So there is a law right now that no gun manufacturer can be sued for the use of their guns in, any in kind the of U.S. In the U.S., yeah. right? But that's where this case is actually kind of interesting, which is Mexico argues that that immunity doesn't actually apply when the injury occurs outside of the U.S., right? So, like, that's interesting. super interesting. Now, I was talk about precedent. I mean, every other yeah, country yeah, be like, wait, just, you got 10 like, billion? Wait, what, what We're going to go get 10 billion. We'll what was get 20 interesting billion. Uh, as well as I was listening to the uh, uh, episode of, um, of The Daily, right? And they were talking about this issue, which mm -hmm. is and one of the things that the Mexico government was claiming is that. Some of the design that that these gun manufacturers do to customize some of these guns uh, is specifically meant to attract some of these car like cartel folks, right? An example they use is like just some of these guns that apparently come engraved with uh, like Emiliano Zapata, right? Who was like very famous revolutionary from Mexican revolutionary from Mexican revolution. I'm sorry, with it, like a quote. Really? What? That's news to me. But I, I mean, I could be wrong. What, Emiliano Zapata? Or, or no, the, seeing or a that Zapata they're... engraving on an American gun manufacturer's gun. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So th there's like a whole, like, you know, the same way that people like to, uh, you know, put, uh, what are these called, dubs on the on the car. Right. <laughs> Get them all, all pimped out. Well, people do that with their guns as well. well and a lot this. of stuff happens, you know, by the manufacturers. So th they're saying that, hey, you're you're creating these 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 guns that are more attractive to some of these drug traffickers on purpose, knowing that they're going to end up there, right? Yeah. That's at least the argument. So coming out with the Che Guevara uh, 44 sure. is sure not someone to, has that. I just looked up. Colt actually does have a Emiliano Zapata Centennial 1911 engraved 38. There you go. Um, and, um, yeah, it's very, very interesting. I didn't so know. So the sale of firearms is severely restricted. And part of by, by their argument is that really when you think about firearms being sold in Mexico is really restricted. It's very controlled, right, by the Defense Department. Uh, but there is, of course, thousands of guns that are being smuggled into Mexico by the country's powerful drug cartels, right, and majority of those coming from the U.S., and there were about 36,000 murders in Mexico last year, right? So so courage or cringe? 
innovative Mexican lawsuit to get to the root cause of gun violence in the country, or Mexico shifting the blame to the U.S. for their own failures in handling drug trafficking violence. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Charlie, well, Charlie, Charlie. Let's be clear about a couple of things. Number one yes. is we kill far more people exporting McDonald's and social media platforms than we do with Well, that guns. may be the, the next lawsuit, so maybe this is the starting point. <laughs> is what I mean. This is precedential. Yeah. Um, By the way, globally, not just in Mexico. We think about McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm picking them. It could be whatever. Burger King, all of these sure, things, Sure, sure. Right? But all, mean, the, all those U.S.-based, you know. We export obesity fast food and companies. diabetes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, look, and, and I'm also very uh, pragmatic about guns. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't own guns now, but I have in my past. Mm-hmm. And, you know, guns are – they're basically for three things, right? They're sportsmen – they're for, like, marksmanship and sports. They're for collecting and they're for killing animals, people included. Right? Either you're hunting or you're using it for self-defense. And the intent when you use it for self-defense is to stop somebody in their tracks, i.e. kill them. Now, I do also think that guns can be a very powerful deterrent, but that's their principal function sure. is to okay. marksmanship, collecting, or killing. I, I put it in those three categories, mm-hmm. right? So I'm very well aware of that. I'm not going to make an argument that somehow you know that's not what their purpose is. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that... I really think that the idea I, – I think ultimately I come down on cringe on this one. Um, I think the cartels should be abolished. I don't think that you know suing Remington or Desert Eagle or Colt or any of these things is going to cause that to happen. Mm-hmm. I think gun companies definitely have and perhaps should have more um, you know, regulations and programs and things to ensure that people are – that guns are not falling into hands overseas in more ways than perhaps is possible. Um, but the ability that, you know, to defend ourselves, and, and, and I know this isn't a one-to-one in terms of this is not a, a Second Amendment thing. I realize it's not, that. No, it's yeah. not. But if you sue these companies for $10 billion, you know, the argument could be you have less of them, there's less guns, therefore well, whatever. Th- their argument, by the way, that by the Mexican government is like part of it, the problem, they see it as your gun laws in your country are so loose that it's very easy for these guns to be in the street. To get out. That all end up coming to our country. Yeah, and a lot and of that is also varies by state, which is probably true because you have to look at the states that are on true. the border, right, specifically, not the... Uh, but it's like throughout Mexico, man. Like, I, I know a lot of people like where my dad's hometown and basically anyone that owns a gun, they're all were brought, are, are 100% from the U.S. Mm-hmm. This is like the seventy percent number is super low in my mind. It's probably one hundred percent in the U.S. Maybe some like South America, other places. I don't but, know. But one hundred. I think the article was talking about illegally, though. You're saying one hundred percent. All of those illegal. are illegal. Got yeah, it. yeah. All of those. Are illegal. I mean, almost all ownership of. There's actually one. I think. I think I was hearing today. There's actually only one uh, gun store in the entire country of Mexico. I think it's one. Interesting. So it's like. Yeah, uh, but, almost a hundred. At least, at least in the in those cases, people that have personal guns. Seven out of ten 100%. is still a pretty big number. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, look, I mean, I think that again, I think this is something that requires more study, observation, policy, regulations, perhaps, and maybe this lawsuit helps bring that about. But I think the idea of Colt and Remington paying Mexico ten billion dollars. We're still going to have the same gun, number of guns in there a year later. I really do believe that. So I don't know how this solves that particular problem. Yeah, Besides probably. weakening the companies and therefore guess, maybe there's less question. guns. Do you feel that the that the um, the gun manufacturer in the U.S. holds any blame for the level of of gun violence that is in in Mexico? Um. Yeah, but to an extent, like. Uh, 
I mean, I think you have to de-average it because I I don't think you can say across the board, like say if I'm one out of, I don't know how many government manufacturers there are, that I have an equal responsibility for whatever it may be. I'm sure if you look at it by individual manufacturers, probably some Like this, like Colt for making an Emiliano Zapata one and maybe just advertising that. I don't, you know, it (laughs) sounds very provocative. Like, I don't know who would want to buy that. I I bet if you search, it's probably more like really drug-related ones. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure you'll find them. I'm I'm sure there are some. I think that those guys maybe have an outsized one. That's the part about this lawsuit that's actually very interesting is not the fact that they're saying that they're responsible, but the fact that they're saying that they're enabling it. Right. That part is interesting. And so that's so, what they're saying. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, th- so I'll, they contribute oh, and to facilitating it. Yeah. it right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, facilitating it. So uh, I'll put it to you this way. Uh-huh. The extent to which the lawsuit can prove that these manufacturers facilitated these things, 100%. Take them to the cleaners. Right. Take them to the right, cleaner. Right. If if the jury determines, hey, this Emiliano Zapata thing was made strictly for, you know, some like narco branding somewhere, and like, a, yeah, it's a take hard them to one the to, cleaners. It's a really hard one to argue, frankly, because, look, for the well, same- look, we have Billy the Kid. You have all these other, you know, Wild that. West it's featured like, you're figures. Sure a lot of people that, that will want to, you know, collect that here, you know, like not, that people would just like to have that kind of association, you know. It's like- for example, if you had, if you found that in one of these um, protests here in, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. by folks like Proud Voice, and they have guns that have the blue flag engraved in it, you know, could you say, well, wait a minute, you're now you're you're adding some symbolism to some of these guns that are specifically meant to be anti-government? See, that's a that's a tough stretch to make, you know, yeah. within the, within the U.S. Without saying, well, wait a minute, you're a private company. People should have the right to be able to get whatever kind of gun they want. So all of that. So it's a it's a long way for me to answer your question. Yes, but I would qualify it to the degree that they're responsible for facilitating it explicitly, not just because they create something that gets stolen and used somewhere right. for a bad reason. That's that's what I could tell you right now. Yeah. So no. I'm cringe. Oh, you're cringe. Yep. Um, I am. I'm a little bit split on this one, to be honest. Um, probably. Look, I I would say I'm courage only because I I, lo- I think it's a bold move uh, by the Mexican government. And I think if it sparks – I'm a little bit like I think in the position that you tend to take sometimes with some of these things. Like if this actually sparks a different kind of conversation, right. I think it's, it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, I think the likelihood of them winning is extremely low. Like they're just not. Like there is no way that in my mind the, the, the gun manufacturer with all the lo- lobbying that they've done across the border that they're gonna allow this because I think it opens up a significant a really big door for a lot of things even within the within the state, within the country, right? Uh, for that for that to happen. But what I do find their argument really interesting is that when we talk about the drug problem here in the US, how many times are we talking about in the context of Latin American countries, of Mexico, of Colombia, of everyone else, right? Like rarely those well, no, well, I think all the time. It's like, like that's where it comes from, right? Like the drug trafficking in the U.S. Oh, I is thought you all, mean like the the gun stuff. No, no, not, not the gun. Yeah, yeah no, no, the just opposite, the actual right? drug. Yeah, of course, actual all the drug. Time. It's, it's coming all from the there. time. It's coming from there. And what are we going to do mm-hmm. in cases where the U.S. wants to get involved there to stop drug trafficking? Right. Well, we. But the reality is, without the the demand, which is here, sure. is what drives all that supply, right? Yeah, but somebody can flip that argument and, on you. And, and these that, guys and are, are basically making the same same, same argument are. with with guns. Like, yeah, we have all the demand from these these drug traffickers, but the supply all comes from the U.S. It's like we're having the inverse kind of conversation, and yeah, that I, I find really really interesting. I would have been a courage on a courage on this if it was Mexico sues U.S. gun manufacturers for facilitating arms trafficking deaths. 
I would have been encouraged oh, because I think that is an innovative, I'm like, wow, I didn't think about that. These people are actually marketing. They know it exists. They want it anyway. Like we talked about with PNG with their shadow markets. Like right. this is a shadow market. This we want it. a shadow market. We, yeah. we know it. We just don't, we're not really going to tell anybody about it. Like right. if, then yeah. I'd be courage on that. Yeah. But anyways, that's the reason why I guess at the end of the day, maybe I'm more courage than cringe for that reason. I think it's innovative what they're doing. I like how it, it actually uh, looks at a very complex issue and gives you a new angle that really doesn't get talked about very much. Um, okay. And it puts some onus back on some of these, you know, on both laws and, and companies that are contributing to the problem that many times, like, don't even get talked about at all. So for that reason, I'm, I'm encouraged. Okay. We're starting off unillustriously, Jesus. All right. What well, comes next? This is a good one. Uh, courage or cringe, uh, remove male and female from birth certificates, question mark. Here's why the country's largest group of physicians recommends it. Mm. Kind of headline so, I can't imagine 100 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, this probably would have been hard to imagine, you know. 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, or less, right? Um, so in a June report, the American Medical Association's uh, LGBTQ Advisory Committee advised the organization to push for removing sex labels from the public part of the birth certificate. Uh, the AMA, or the American Medical Association, is the country's largest association of physicians. What is the public part of the birth certificate? What does that even mean? That I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Isn't it all, I, I guess, what's, like, what's uh, well, I mean, it, you, it either is or it isn't, right? Like, right. Is it, I mean, you have to volunteer it, but, I mean, you, you somebody asks you for your birth certificate for a thousand things. Like, you show them the whole thing. Right, yeah. The whole I, thing I, I, is public. I don't understand why, yeah, I think to me the whole thing is public. Or, the, or you can say the whole thing is private. Right. right, exactly. It's not like there's a little section, you yeah. peel off a sticker, and you're like, this is the part that's just for me. I don't know if there's, as an, it could be where like there's information that automatically gets published. Like in, it could be. In yeah, it could be like in a register or, or something. something that maybe, yeah. maybe that's, but it all comes from the same birth certificate, right? So according to the report, it said that regarding the recommendation, right, they said assigning neither or either a male or female sex at birth fails to recognize the medical spectrum of gender identity. The participation by the medical profession and the government in assigning sex is often used as evidence supporting this binary view uh, of gender. And not only does it stifle a person's ability to express and, identi- uh, and identify themselves, it can lead to marginalization and minoritization, which is, I hadn't heard that one before. Mm. Uh, now, the recommendation initially didn't get actually much coverage um, until an article of Web- by WebMD went viral, in part because conservative publications and pundits jumped on the issue, right? So former United Nations ambassador Nikki Haley tweeted uh, as basically, in quotes, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Uh, Representative Mary Miller, from a Republican from Illinois, responded tweeting, is this the science we're supposed to be trusting? Question mark. Hmm. Uh, by the way, the whole thing Twitter, you know who has the best, the best take on Twitter hmm. is Dave Chappelle. It was like, he quotes Twitter to people writing messages on the, on the, on the bathroom wall. <laughs> It totally is. <laughs> it totally yeah, is that. It totally it's is. like you're talking to yourself and like throwing this big thing, hoping people react to it. And someone looking at it again like a ha, chuckle yeah. and then moving on. And you when know? you're running away and not wiping the toilet seat. Exactly. So that's very good, very good way to think about it. Now, birth certificates are not public documents, but they, they do actually play an important role in affirming a person's identity, allowing them to work, travel, or start a family, right? They are required to get passports, driver license, and register for school, adoption, employment, or marriage, right? Now, according to a study released in June by the William Institute of the UCLA School of Law, about 1.2 million non-binary LGBTQ adults live in the U- in the U.S. 
I, I would think there would be a much bigger number than that. I was actually surprised with that number. 1.2 million? I thought it was way more than that. Yeah. Um, I'm not surprised. Most states now allow for people to amend the sex designation on their birth certificate to reflect their gender identity, but the process can vary greatly from state to state. And it's even 15 states now that allow people to use a gender-neutral X when a baby is born. Right, so the argument for in this case is that it's like Latinx, <laughs> exactly. We're gonna talk about that one next. Uh, is that it acknowledges the diversity that exists on the gender spectrum? Yeah. Right, and number two removes a major a major barrier for gender nonconforming people when they try to participate in society. So, courage or cringe, political agenda and wokeness driving medical policy, or updated medical guidance reflecting the full spectrum of gender identity. Wow. You like that one? Huh? I do. Very good. Whoever's writing these is getting better at it. Well, you know. Whoever that can be. You want me to go? Sure. All right. Well, Jesus, this is going to potentially shock you. This is going to be shocking. Uh-huh. I'm Tell a me. cringe. Okay. A hard cringe, full stop. Um, look, sex is male or female. That is, it's biological, it's immutable. There's a great beauty around that, a great beauty around those differences uh-huh. and how they're complementary to one another. That's just the reality of our observable and natural order, right? Now, even if you concede that gender is separate from sex, mm-hmm. which I don't, but even if you do, this argument does not make any sense and it holds no water. It literally says that assigning either male or female sex at birth fails to recognize the medical spectrum of gender identity. So every time I've heard the idea of somebody making a case for gender identity, they distinguish gender identity from biological sex. Mm-hmm. They say, well, I know there's biological sex that's male and female, but we can pick a gender on this broad spectrum. Right. If it's true that there are even among people who are advocates of this argument that there is a male or female sex at birth, isn't that what we're talking about? The Yeah, it would be. So mm-hmm. how does it hold water then that assigning either male or female sex at birth fails to recognize the medical spectrum of gender identity? Again, I don't even believe that argument, but it doesn't. I can still believe biologically I'm male, and yet I'm female gender. Like, that is the argument. Again, I don't – that's not my argument, but I'm saying it doesn't follow from I guess your argument would be – okay, if I'm following what you're saying, your argument would be like, look, if you're telling me that instead of calling it gender, you would say biological sex, just hear me out, right? Mm -hmm. So you replace – no longer in a certificate, you no longer say gender. You say biological sex. Then that one – Male and female, that's, I mean, that's basically what we're, what we're, what we're talking about here. Uh, because that's basically what we're, I mean, what, what we're having. I mean, at the end of the day, what they're saying here is that by removing it all together, you're sort of negating the second part of this, which is how people identify themselves or could potentially identify themselves. Uh, that may be the same and or different than their sex at birth. Um, sort of. What I'm saying is that I, I believe that people are male or female. I believe that's a biological fact. Uh-huh. I believe that for those who believe that gender is on a scale and it can be self-identified or self-given, even if you have that view, it makes no sense what these doctors are saying to remove male and female. Because the argument says, I know there's male and female biologically. Nevertheless, I may have a different gender that it's not compatible right. with my biological sex. Okay, I concede that. I'm saying for the sake of the argument. I concede that. So why would you necessarily need to remove male or female from the birth certificate? Right, from gender. So it, yeah, it, I, I guess, yeah, I, I said it wrong. So maybe the, what if they said they told you, uh, instead of their recommendation, instead of removing male or female mm-hmm. from gender, is saying, no, instead, instead what we're going to do is we're going to just basically say, um, um, biological sex. We're going to replace gender with biological sex. Yes. Yeah. And I do and believe... And then leave that as male, female, 
when they're born, and then obviously it would be different than whatever gender they end up they end up being. Right. I, I mean, I think I understand what you're asking me. You're saying if they just if forgot the, about the rec- gender and if said- the recommendation was instead of changing, uh-huh. instead of putting no basically gender, removing no binary, male or female, right, removing male or female, right. right. Instead, we're gonna say it's, we're actually gonna replace the word gender uh-huh. from the, the the birth certificate. We're gonna put biological sex there instead. But that's what it says to, now, though. No, to, that, but but birth certificates do say that they say sex, not gender. They oh, I, I thought it was said gender. Yeah, yeah, they say sex, and then so the idea is you're either male or female. What's mm-hmm. being requested by these folks is to remove sex, right? Remove male or female because quote it fails to recognize the spectrum of gender identity. Right. That does not compute. That's yeah. not compute. Those are th- that that is not a equation that equals in a number. So it just does not work. <laughs> Either gen you know biological yeah, yeah, yeah. sex exists or it doesn't. And for most people who believe in um in uh you know this idea of gender identity right, can be right, being right. picked, they do believe that there's a biological sex. I've heard the argument many times like I do believe there's biological sex. Nevertheless, I think that gender is a construct, mm-hmm. and over time I can more pick it or more, yeah, more yeah. social thing. Mm-hmm. So so even in that case, right, this doesn't make, make sense. sense. So it. for me, I'm a cringe across the board. Yeah, I didn't Easy. realize. I thought I was under when reading this. I was under the impression that it said gender, not uh, sex. I, I, I'm struggling to understand the, what difference that would make, though. What they called it. They're they're basically saying male and female goes away, right, because of the gender spectrum. And my point is, male and female ties to sex, even I, I for it. people who believe that. My my only point yeah. there was simply if it will make a. I was trying to just understand if it will make a difference for you if if what they were assigning to it was not a gender labeled to a gender, but j- just basically it labeled to, no. to sex. Okay, no, that's all I was trying. That's all I was trying to. Maybe okay. I, I confused the issue. Sorry, right. even bringing it up. I'm easy to confuse. You know? <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, for me, I'm. I think I'm. I'm cringe as well. Um, now I, I, I I'm cringe because I think we're like solving for the wrong issue here. I, I think a part of the what we're talking about here is the recognition of, as is mentioned, the spectrum of gender identity. I'm one of those that falls more in the camp of saying, "Look, do I think there could be a spectrum?" Yeah, sure. I actually don't have any issue with that whatsoever. I also think that that rec- recognizing that spectrum, f- frankly, happens more over time. Because I think when you're as a as a child that is born, there's just no scenario where that child even at that point even recognizes one way or the other what they may be, what gender they may be, if it happens to be different than whatever the sex they're born. So so yeah, so I, I think even if there is a, a a broader spectrum of gender, I, I don't see how this necessarily solves that problem. Now maybe the reality, the issue that they're talking about, which is, is interesting, is that if is as, as people are are adults or as they're growing up. They have or recognize that their gender is different than their than their biological sex, and want to have their birth certificate reflect that. Maybe the solve is just make that easier for people to change it if that's what they want to change, right? Like if that if that's what we really are solving for or looking to solve for, maybe just make it easier. But to to pretend like there is no actual you know uh, biological sex of male or female, I think it's just odd. There was like a whole other piece I didn't even bring up here that the the, the piece was talking about. Which, which actually related to to when kids are born, where they actually have uh, basically parts of both sexes, right? Yeah. And there's like a whole other sort of issue that is there they have to sort of try to solve for there. Yeah, those are hermaphrodites. Um, and it's right. extraordinarily rare. And even in those cases, there is a predominance to one sex. Right, 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 right. Well, and that, that's what they were talking about. Like there's this issue where they're trying to force the, the child to have to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I don't enough, know enough as to why that would be the case or what happens if you don't, et cetera. But the bottom line is that I think putting that even at this at this place uh, where you're saying there is no such, I mean, I almost feel like you're trying to negate that this even concept exists, whether it's like a male, male or a female. 
Um, and that doesn't really, like, I, I don't think you acknowledge the spectrum by taking away positions on it. Wouldn't it be more by adding to it? And and you couldn't really do that at that age anyway. So to me, that's once again is, is why I think it's the wrong solve. Um, I just think a part of it is is making it easier for people that do see themselves in a different gender, then make it easier for them to change their birth certificate. And I have no issue with that. Cool. So, cringe. All right. Our last not one. Not going to disagree. Oldie, but not oldie, but goodie. But <laughs> it's one that we've <laughs> talked about before. Uh, LA Times columnist called out for using Latinx term to describe Hispanic population. So, yeah, this is kind of – we've talked about this in this in this show before, uh, but this is a funny one. So, Gene Guerrero, who was a columnist for the LA Times, got some major Twitter backlash after referring to the Latino community as Latinxes mm. at, at an S at the end of the, of the X. Yeah. Now, this all started with a tweet where she was commenting on the efforts by the Democratic Party to engage Latinos in regards to the recall election of Gavin Newsom, right? So, in the tweet, she said – uh, Democratic outreach to Latino voters on the California recall election is not working. I've been speaking to young Latinxes, and almost none of them have any idea what is going on. This is really, really bad, right? So immediately there was. A Did she quick... do apostrophe s? By the way, no. Or just, 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 just xs. Xs. Wow. Well, well, that makes sense though, right? It's plural. Mm, we'll get to that. All right. Well. Yeah. Anyways. So their response was quick and brutal, right? So Ron DeSantis, press secretary, Christina Pushaw, which, by the way, I don't think I'll ever give Ron DeSantis any credit for almost anything. But this one, this comment right here, I particularly enjoyed, where she said, keep calling, keep calling them Latinxes. I'm sure that will help your outreach effort. Florida Democrats should adopt this term immediately in all <laughs> communications. That's a new brand. <laughs> Then there was pra, uh, Brad Palumbo, writer mm. for the Washington Post, who said, white liberals incorrectly calling Latino people Latinx to be woke is actual culture appropriation. I guess it actually does exist. Now, by the way, here, Brad she, Palumbo, she, you the, should actually she, know that she's actually Latina, not a white liberal. Right. So she actually wrote a book about like her upcoming in border towns, about her, like, her story and her dad. So this is actually, well, I think it's a funny comment as well. Um, just because she looks so whitish, uh, she's 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 actually Latina. And then there was Frank Lutz. Uh, Lutz is a conservative consultant, pollster, yeah. and strategist. Yep. Uh, which, by the way, I was actually interested in looking at his Wikipedia. That in January of this year, uh, Lutz declared himself no longer Republican. So I wanted to I'll dig into that. So Interesting. Why that's the what case? Is he? Yeah. What is he? That? I don't know. Just Party X. Party X. <laughs> that's right. So he said, if a political group uses the term Latinx, it's a telltale sign that they're not in touch with Hispanic Americans. And what he did is he actually linked to a Pew Research study, which we talked about in the show, mm -hmm. where it talked about the percentage of Latino adults and how they basically view the term Latinx, where 76% of Latino adults here in the U.S. have never heard of the term, 76%. 20% uh, have heard of the term, but don't use it. And it was only 3% of all Latinos who actually use that term um, Latinx, right? So it's a massive disconnect. It's the biggest reason why I don't like the term is because it's meant to identify a number of people that names them something they don't use themselves. Right. It is purely a marker. And it has been. And frankly, I go further to say that for the most part, it's a marker, not 100%, so don't jump out of your chair, but almost predominates a particular ideology. In other words, like if you're using Latinx... You're probably left of center, 
generally speaking. Mm -hmm. And it's a marker to say, I know what I'm talking about, A, and B, I have this particular kind of outlook. That's usually what it what it communicates I to mean, me. I mean, to me, I see it much more, not so much as a ideology, much more I put it in the marketing sector. It's certainly marketing too. In the marketing sector, like when people, you know, how many times do we use the, the term? I mean, look, let's call ourselves off. We've been in plenty of conversations where we use the word Latinx. Absolutely. And, and I cringe. I, I really have made it a point to not use it. I don't use it all. either anymore. I stopped. And, and part like of it is like three months ago. We, look, even when we were at Me Too, that was a big term that was, was being used there. I remember the first time I heard it, I'm like, what the hell is that? No, 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 no. Back up. We we helped bring that term. It wasn't we were using it. We brought that term out of obscurity. Uh, yeah. That, so that term was an academic term for like a dozen years. I had never heard of it. So exactly. the first time I heard it, I'm like, what is that? Um, and it was a really interesting term, but for a, for a period of time, there's plenty of other digital media brands and brands in general that use the term Latinx. But it's like in spite of Latinos, I'm like, we do not want to be called that. And and the reason why I've almost entirely stopped using it now is because, look, if we believe in data and people's rights to be able to say, you know, to tell you what they feel and how they want to be called, like, why would the hell would I keep on calling them something that they don't want to be called? Like, that's ridiculous, right? So it, it is this great indicator of people that are trying to be woke, trying to be on the end, feel like they're more connected, but it does. It has the exact opposite effect. I had the same problem, by the way, when we did our show about the Cleveland Indians dropping the, the name Indians. Mm-hmm. Now, they've picked since then um, Guardians, I think is what their new name is, right? Cleveland Guardians, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. which a lot of people like and great. I'm glad sure. they all like the name. But the issue that I had then was that if in the data seemed to indicate the Native Americans prefer Indian to Native American. Yeah, I'm and so, talk, but it was it was a very specific group you were talking about. I don't, I don't believe that's across the board. I, I could be wrong, but I remember having that conversation. Yeah. My point is here, the numbers are stark. Oh, okay. yeah. This is Stark. like not This is debatable. like 97% of people either don't know what the hell you're talking about or don't prefer it. And, and yet way, we're still using it because it's like it's a marker. What's it's an about this is that you could talk about research and be like, oh, but maybe the, maybe the way they did this poll question, whatever, right? But we've seen it real time. Whenever content is put on social media, Facebook, any of these, and you use the term Latinx, there's always going to be – people that immediately respond to it negatively. Latinos that respond to it very negatively. Now, let me add to the reason, this is a cringe for me. Uh I mean, I'm sorry, it's a courage for me because it's the backlash, right? It's it's the pushback she got. So I'm courage on this. The the part that's insult to injury is that the idea of the X was supposed to be both, you know, Latino or Latina to to cover for that. But it also makes, there's no need for being, to to pluralize it because it already is a plural. Right, since you're talking about either or, by virtue of that, you I could agree. be talking about either or, right? So, the idea of putting the S after the X not only is a total tongue twister nightmare word, <laughs> it's grammatically incorrect, and so insult to injury. Um, yeah, if we can retire this as quickly as possible, and and again, raising uh, our hand, knowing what we've contributed to this term being yeah, a real yeah, yeah. thing. The, the funny thing we here have. is that she doubled down, right? So after getting pushed back, Gene uh, jumps back in there, <laughs> like Gene, back away. She's like, I've never faced such a tidal wave of right-wing hysteria uh, f- as for using the word Latinx this afternoon. And then she had a little laughing, laughing emoji. Which then, of course, that's a whole new slew of other people that were like, wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm, not, not, right I'm not right-wing. I'm actually Latino. And this term is terrible. Right? But it really shows a massive disconnect. I mean, it's like you're not looking at the data. You're not respecting people's uh, right to basically determine like what they want to be called. And like forcing this issue, so yeah, I'm I'm cringe as well. Very good. I don't mean to like talk more about it. It's cringe, cringe across the board. I think uh, we agree with the 97 percent of the population. So go. now we got to just work hard to abolish the terminology. Um, okay, we got a big show coming up next week. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Big our, uh our one year anniversary. Our one year anniversary. With Mr. Marcos Klein. W- what are some things that we're gonna be doing on that show? There'll be festivities, fireworks, uh, yeah, poker, G- cigars, drinking. <laughs> we'll we'll try to record something along the along the ways. We'll see. Um, I will point out also, we'll add the link in the show notes that we are doing a survey. So if you're listening to the show, we'd love your thoughts on the show. So we're gonna include a survey link to the show notes of this particular episode. It takes like 45 seconds to do this survey. Tell us a little bit about what you like, what you don't like. Am I talking too much? Does Jesus talk too much? Is it too short, too long? Not enough or too much of whatever whatever particular thing? We really want to know. We want to actually take this year opportunity to get feedback from everybody. So please, 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 if you've heard the show today, just take a second, go open up the show notes, click on the link, take the survey. We actually did it in a really cool interactive format, so it's an easy and fun survey to take. It's not just like one of these boring, you know, pick a number kind of things. It's actually interactive, so you'll have a lot of fun doing it. So please do that. If you like the show, please share it with your friends, share it on social media. Like I said, fun show coming up next week. Anything else, Jesus? No. I think we're good. I think we're so good. we'll see you guys all on our one-year anniversary coming up next week on another episode of TDR. If you enjoyed this episode of the Diversity Remix, please remember, first of all, to subscribe and help us to spread the word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and give us a five-star review. We're available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your listening fix. And lastly, please remember to stop by blackbrown.us, the creator of this podcast, and take a look at our work and our approach at the intersection of diversity and business. The Diversity Remix is produced by Leo Gomez, with production services by Jose Manuel Durquidi and Luis Diego Carranza and our friends at Juan Diego Network. The Diversity Remix is a production of Black Brown. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country— including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.